Hello, my name is Peter Lewis and welcome to the Give Yourself the Chat podcast, the show dedicated to a life of high performance. A very warm welcome to Give Yourself the Chat podcast. This is one of the earlier episodes. I'm glad to say I've got um, Liz May and White with me. And and I'll let you into a, a secret. This is our second take because uh, the first five minutes of our chat, I forgot to hit record here. So um, Liz is very happily, uh, well, I don't know about happily, but she's very kindly uh, indulging me. A very good morning to you, Liz. How are you? Good morning. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so um, Liz, I mean, interesting times we're, we're living in, uh, COVID-19, coronavirus. We're now sort of four weeks into into lockdown uh, how, how's things with you? Because you've got so many things going on, you know, um, in your life in terms of family life and also professional life. How are things? Yeah, good. I mean, we're all well, um, which I think, you know, right now is the most important thing. Who knows? I mean, I think we, you know, the sort of the younger and the fitter you are, the better you assume you're going to, to deal with it. Um, but we don't know. You know, there's some very young, very fit people who, are, who aren't managing um, physically with the, the illness. So as far as we know, we haven't had it, but um, who knows? Uh, who knows what it, what it will look like? So, but no, we're all, we're all fine. We're all just about managing to, to get through. Good, good. Brilliant. Glad to hear that. We well, mentioned sort of fit and healthy. I mean, when we, we met, didn't we, through our local uh, triathlon club and our, and our love of triathlon. And uh, we, we've, I, I have had the honour of racing with you and we've both <laughs> had the honour of pulling on um, sort of uh, colours for, for Great Britain um, racing. So for me, that was a huge bucket listing. I know it was it was big for you as well. Mm. Um, racing in in Ibiza, which wasn't as warm as we would have hoped. <laughs> Ibiza, and, which was, and then yes. last year in uh, in Romania, which was that was warm, wasn't it? That, that, that yeah. was a, a tough old event. Um, but there's also a part of your story I don't know, which is the um, uh, the rowing the Atlantic. Um, so I'd love to explore uh, some of that. And and I and I think for the for the give yourself the chat podcast, I, I think you're you're a great guest there because I'm I'm guessing there's there's those moments in your life where you've had to give yourself the chat. So we'd love to explore that as well. But but let's um let's just talk about here and now. There's lots going on. How have you sort of consciously decided to to approach this whole isolation COVID nineteen mm. situation we find ourselves in? Yeah, I think um I mean I think like everybody else, we're really just trying to pick our way through and find the way that works best for us. Um, everybody's different. Everybody's perspective, everybody's situation is is very different. And, and ours will be, you know, different to the next people. Um, but we found, you know, routine is extremely important. Um, we've made sure that uh, as much as we possibly can, we still maintain the, the, the routines that we've always had. Um, you know, I still get up five o'clock in the morning and do my training just to to try and you know keep myself sane, I, I kind of feel like I, I still need that, even if the day ahead of me actually doesn't hold you know anything in particular that I need to to be done by seven for. But um, you know, I think it, it just it, it keeps me sane. Um, and just looking at every day at a time, um, I think I mean you mentioned the, the Atlantic rowing and um, something like that was it was enormous when we stood back and and looked at it from from the sort of very starting point it was a, a huge challenge and this is a huge challenge and and you know in, in some ways a huge trauma mm. um and just trying to chop it up so that you can you know you take every day at a time rather than looking at the whole thing thinking, how am I going to get through all this what's it going to look like yeah you know what's it going to look like in July what's it going to look like in the the autumn it's it you know things change and you can't 
try and um, anticipate or or certainly try and control what's what's going to happen in the future. So every day at a time, control the controllables. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do. So love that love that stuff we'll go perhaps a bit deeper on some of that stuff yeah. particularly the atlantic bit there but i want to ask you a question because like like me you probably had some events lined up triathlon wise this this year I, I know you qualified for great britain again i think you were due to do the europeans in austria is that correct yeah. and yeah. then the worlds as well congratulations by the way but that <laughs> edmonton canada and yeah. both of those have been called off um so Here's my question to you. You're an early riser. You've got your routine. But when you've got nothing to train for, how do you sustain that motivation? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, I mean, I, oh, only very recently did I hear that the um, European Championships were, were cancelled, not, not postponed. Um, so until recently, I, I sort of I knew that that was still a potential. Um, I'm still hopeful although um less getting less less hopeful that that Canada will happen um I think I mean we do these things because not just for the the events at the end and not just for you know for, for a medal or, you know a, a finish line but because we love them um and because we love the process and I think it's so important and a lot of people talk about um the process that goes behind the competitions and you have to you have to enjoy the process and you mm. have to um, you know, enjoy the journey as much as the destination. So well, that's that's probably slightly cliched, but um, you know, you you have to enjoy it. And I and I'm funny. I think I um, I'm quite. Uh, I think what well, the polite way of putting this is, but I'm quite bloody minded. Once I decide that I'm going to do something, and yeah. I know what my training program looks like between now and the end of August. And I'm going to stick to that, Good. even if there's no, actually no race at the end of August. That's yeah. that's what I had planned. That's what I had laid out. So that's what I'm doing. Um, so actually, whether the race happens or not is is now becoming slightly irrelevant to me. Um, and I think, as, as I mentioned before, I've I've put in place a sort of a slightly different um, challenge, which is a virtual thing I found online. Yeah. Um, which means that my my daily uh, distances, whether that's a run or a cycle or a swim, although no one's swimming at the moment, um, those add up to um, to take me slightly further along the Appalachian Trail, which is a, a trail that runs up the, the east coast of, of the states. So that's just kind of keeping me ticking along, keeping me motivated, yeah, and, and I yeah. see my little dot move further up the map every day. Um, so that's now I, I don't know whether the races are going to happen. That's quite a good way of just keeping myself motivated. Well, that's, that's brilliant. It's, it's wonderful how technology can enable that as well. So you can visually track via an app or whatever how far you are along the trail. Yeah. And I yeah. guess one day you might go and recreate that journey by being on the Appalachian <laughs> Trail because I know you love the, the great outdoors. I know you've, yeah. you, you've, you've got a place over in is it Nova Scotia. You've Nova got Scotia, a farm. yeah. And it's fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me to hear that. But it's interesting. I want to unpack some of that. I know, I mean, you mentioned the cell. It can sound quite cliche. It's not the end. It's the it's the it's the journey that counts yeah. but I think those uh athletes those high performers um deal with disappointment or deal with setbacks by just a reframe and what you've just described there you've just reframed your experience to make the the process of training still valid and mm. still fulfilling it's just a different target but actually the target can change but the, the like you said that it, it is the process because how many you know you often hear stories of people once they've achieved um a goal or an outcome there's this vacuum that's left afterwards it's like yeah oh i've done that now and it's almost anticlimactic 
and it's I think it's those people that suffer the most haven't realized it is the process of getting to that mm-hmm. point where the joy and the fulfillment is um, and therefore all you've got to do is continue whatever journey it might be. I mean, I, I suffer from post Ironman blues, probably like the rest of us, you know, and, and it's that sort of slump. And, and that's why I'm, you know, <laughs> despite saying never again, within that week, <laughs> you're on the keyboard trying to enter another event, you know? Yeah. Tell me you can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I've only done one, one full Ironman, not like you doing, what, 20 or so. I, I'm up I mean, to really 20 crazy. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There is, I know, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm still going to work on you to sign back up for the long distance. This is part of my plan. You realize One day, I'll tell you what I did. I watched something yesterday on the, the Patagonia, Patagonia, I think it's called, which is a, yeah, an Ironman down in Patagonia. Now that got some juices flowing. So who knows? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, during this isolation period, you know, I've been on the, the what bike in the pain cave or whatever. I thought, I just miss being around people. I miss the crowd, yeah. the energy, the buzz, and I can't wait to get back to that. And, and this will pass, won't it? So I think sure. carrying on your training is good investment. Again, another reframe, investment for the next season ahead. Think yeah. of all those miles you're putting yeah. in. I think that's, yeah. that's the just base miles now. Yeah, yeah, yeah all good stuff. <laughs> So tell me about the Atlantic rowing. And that's, again, as I said, that's a part of your story I don't really know. I'd mm. love to know, in the, and, and our listener, because there's always just that one person. Hello, <laughs> mum. Yeah, hello, mum. How do you even conceive and, and get going with that? And kind of give us a bit of the, the, the picture around the decision yeah. to do that and, and some of the highs and lows of, of that experience. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, the race that we did was actually in 2005. So it's ooh, 15 years ago now. Crikey, that's terrifying. Have you, have you been in a boat since? <laughs> a boat? Not as you know, I have. Yeah, I've been in boats and rowing boats. And yeah. although I did swear when we reached shore the other end, I swore I, would, I never wanted to see the sea again. Um, but yeah, 2005, we actually, I mean, like a lot of big challenges, you can't decide a few months or a few weeks before you know you're due to do it that you suddenly yeah. want to want to you know turn up and do it so it was actually the I think I'm right in saying it was the end of 2002 and I was a very boring insurance broker um working for a broker down in Southampton and uh one of the the prospective clients I went to go and visit was a company called Challenge Business who used to run the um BT Global Challenge, I think it started yes. as a BT Global Challenge. Yes. Um, and part of sort of the, the smaller profile of events that they did was the Atlantic Rowing Race. And I didn't, I, I was a sailing instructor, or had been a sailing instructor before then. Um, so I came from the background of sailing and I didn't want to just sound like a dull insurance person. So um, so I said um, that, you know, we, we were quite keen, my husband, my, my boyfriend then at the time, um, and I were quite keen to sign up one day for the Atlantic Rowing Race. And um, the finance director who I was uh, visiting um, said, oh, well, that's just in time because the entries have just opened for 2005. I thought, oh, crikey, right, okay, so I better not, you know, I need to follow through on this now. <laughs> so sort of... 200 pounds to kind of put a, an, an interest in. And then the, the actual entry fee was about 16,000 um, pounds right. to kind of enter a team. Yeah. So paid that in installments. So we, so we just sort of started paying um, every month. It was like 300 pounds, 400 pounds. We paid in installments. And so we kind of got swept along without really realizing it. And before we knew it, we'd paid the whole entry fee. And so then we needed to, to buy a boat, uh, fit the boat out. And so, it was a three-year process, really, from yeah. the point that we, we sort of first had the idea. Um, so, 
yeah, I think to sort of come back to how do you, you know, how do you face a, a challenge like that? Very, in very, very small chunks. We weren't, you know, we didn't have lots of money. Um, we could, or a lot of competitors nowadays, buy the boat fully, fully kitted out, fully yeah. equipped. Um, yeah. But we wanted to, for two reasons, we we couldn't afford a sort of one um, big lump sum to, to buy a boat with all the kit um, in, in one go. Uh, but we also wanted to know that when we're out on the ocean, um, we wanted to know that we could fix whatever was yeah, potentially great there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we wanted to be able to, to do that we'd installed the electronics, the uh, water maker, which converts seawater to fresh water, um, the oars, the, you know, every bit of kit that was on so the you, boat. So you knew everything about that, that vessel? And, Absolutely. Yeah. So we literally we stripped it right back to bare plywood and started again and fitted it out all ourselves for what two and a half years um test rowing you know that's not going to work let's replace that with that and and just you know build it all up so lots of lots went into that that initial process before we got anywhere near the start line um and, and that and had, had you had you been a rower up until that point where you are sort of, you know i i'd never rowed um so richard <laughs> <laughs> richard had rowed at university i mean i think slightly annoyingly i, I think i probably have the physique to, to you know to have been quite a good rower um but no I'd, I'd never rode we I mean I was a sailor um so I'd rode you know dinghies around um and and actually the most important thing when we were out there wasn't te- being a technical rower it was uh, seamanship it was you know understanding the weather navigation mm. and so actually the, uh, both as sailing instructors was far more important than any rowing ability. So, okay. um, so that was, you know, that was without doubt the, the bigger part. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, sorry. No, I was going to say, and so just a pair of you, uh, yes. in this, uh, so you kind of fitting it all out before you kind of get, go into the journey itself. What, just what, what was the, the burning ambition here? I mean, you could, you, there's, there's plenty of mountains to go climb there. There's all sorts of challenges. Why, this particular one before we kind yeah. of get into the detail of it? I think, I mean, we'd done a lot of sailing challenges. We'd, we'd done sailing races. We'd done the Three Peaks Yacht Race, which is sailing between and running up the, the three highest mountains in England, Scotland and Wales. Um, so we'd done um, nautical stuff. Um, yeah. Richard had done a lot of mountains. I'd done some, but, you know, to be honest, the mountains didn't really draw me. I wasn't, that, I wasn't that fast. Yeah. Um, and it was... You know, I think it, it it just was something that was in the back of our minds, and then the opportunity presented itself, and and so we grabbed the opportunity. So I don't yeah. think we, we didn't really go looking for it, but okay. we the opportunity came along. And it, we took found it. You. it found yeah. you. <laughs> so, uh, t- I mean, so yeah, take take us through you know some of the the, the kind of the, the elements of that the actual journey, the transition across the ocean, and um, and and I'll, I'll be keen to know um, those moments where you had to give yourself the chat. Because I'm guessing there was plenty of opportunity to do that. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's a jolly hard thing to do. Um, we and we set out. We we spoke to a sports psychologist before we went, uh, who was really helpful. And and I think I imagined it was going to be lots of mumbo jumbo and you know visioning this and, and, and imagining that. But actually, it was a lot more about goal setting. Um, goal setting as individuals, but also as a team. And um, the fact that we were. Uh, a couple um we actually got engaged just before we went um was really important it meant that so a lot of people get off the boat at the other end um and go in opposite directions and never speak to each other again um but we wanted to you know actually maintain a relationship that was going to last a lot longer than just getting across the atlantic 
This is a real um, test of that relationship, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to, to jump forward a bit, I think we probably were more a team than a couple when we got off the other end and we had to kind of find that side of it again, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we, we set off with goals and with aims and we, uh, we had our sort of gold, silver, bronze goals and we um, imagined. So the fastest woman had um, crossed the Atlantic in 50 days. So we'd, um, we, we had 50 days as a sort of a target. A target, yeah. Um, but shortly after we, in fact, even before we left, uh, sorry, just to, to clarify, we went from the Canaries to the Caribbean. So mm. across the sort of central bit of the Atlantic. Okay. Um, and it was part of a race. So 26 boats in the race. Um, let me get this right. 20 of them were pairs, um, four, four fours and two couples, two, two solos. That's right. Okay. Um, and uh, we... What was I going to say? We, um, yeah, we, we had 50 days in mind. Before we set off, um, it was, 2005 was a very um, violent hurricane season. Um, now, the hurricane season is meant to finish end of June, um, but by, we were due to set off at the end of November and we still had a tropical storm that hit us in the Canaries. So it was actually the day we were due to set off. The, the start was postponed by a couple of days. Um, yeah. tr- tropical storm came through. Um, and as we went across, we um, had another hurricane that hit us whilst we were out there, uh, plus one, one more tropical storm just before we got into um, to the Caribbean. So, yeah, that... Um, slowed us down <laughs> we uh, so when the hurricane hit the the, the waves the, the wind and the waves came from the opposite direction so it came from um the west yes. which basically stopped us in our track so that that's put a, a stop on things by 10 days so we actually made it into antigua in 60 days rather than 50 um so that uh so that, know, that, we, that was the gold goal gone then in terms yeah. of the, the fastest woman Yes. Yeah. Right? So, so re- reframing then at that point. Exactly. So, so when we were hit by the hurricane and we were, we were basically, well, we were, we were stopped still. We actually went back by seven miles um, over the 10 days that we were, um, we were being hit, uh, which actually wasn't anywhere near as far as some boats went back several hundred miles. So we were quite lucky that we oh, really? didn't go back as, as yeah. far as that. Um, but yeah, that took a lot of reframing. And I think that, that time, although we didn't physically row in that time, um, it was one of the hardest because it was so frustrating. We physically couldn't go anywhere. There's no point in trying to row. Um, so we just had to sort of sit tight. And, and knowing that, you know, that gold goal was um, was slipping away without, and there was nothing we could do about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of reframing and, and re... Um, sort of re-establishing what what the 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 event was all about and I think it it was at that point going back to what we talked about earlier um we realized that actually this is a this is a journey this isn't how quick can we get across um sorry my phone's ringing that's all right don't worry um not yeah not how uh how quick we can get across but um but actually the um you know the journey and to sort of relax and enjoy it and look at the fish and you know enjoy the the situation that that we were in so so that became i mean you you had gold silver and bronze goals but actually did all that just go by the wayside when you realized you know this is an opportunity which we perhaps never might do again let's let's live in this moment well the bronze i mean i know our, our sort of bronze goal was um 
to, to just get to the other side and still, you know, be talking to each other. So, so that was... <laughs> Some people would say it's a gold goal, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was sort of our fallback. And, you know, I honestly can't remember what, it, what the silver was. There must have been something in between. Um, or maybe it was... To, no, I know what it was, and we did actually achieve it. Yeah, maybe I'll come back to that. Okay. Um, uh, yes, so, so there was a lot of re-evaluation that had to go on um, during that time. Um, we so during the race, um, the because it was such a, a heavy weather race, um, there were a lot of, of incidents. So, 26 boats started prior to our race, no uh boat had ever rolled, although the boats are designed to be able to roll and, and right themselves, but no yeah. boat that had never been tested on the ocean. Um, we rolled four times, um, during the <laughs> during the 60 wow. day. Yeah. Uh, there were, I mean, I can't remember actually how many rolls there were altogether, but um, six of the boats were lost at sea. Uh, thankfully, everybody was rescued. Okay. Um, but it really brought it home to us how when the first boat, I remember it was a, some Irish chaps, when they um, were, had to be rescued, it really, you know, you, you sort of, it brought it home to you. Actually, we're in a really nasty situation. All that sort of brash talk about breaking records and, you know, how fast can you do it? It, it puts it in perspective. Yeah. You think, oh, crikey, you know, the, we're not guaranteed to come out of this. And, and were you getting all that over the radio net? Did you, were, did, were your situational awareness, were you aware of all that at the time? Well, in fact, it was 15 years ago, and it's interesting how things, um, how much um, more, more modern things are uh, nowadays. But um, we were receiving emails via sat phone from my sister, who was our sort of uh, daily, um, she, she would update us on a, on a daily basis yeah. uh, on what, what had happened. So we didn't know straight away until she would um, send us something to say, you know, this boat's gone or that boat's, or this, you know, they're, they're here and they're there. So we, we didn't really know until a couple of days later. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Just the enormity of the whole thing. It's, just, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, having, I've never done that kind of Atlantic challenge, but bring it back to my experience with Ironman and that's a goal setting. It's always three goals. Uh, first is, is to complete it because you're investing so much time and energy yep. and you've spent years getting to that point. There's no yeah. point not completing it. So it has always got to be a primary goal. Second thing I always say, and it's in this order, is to enjoy it, which is yes. that piece you talk about, the, the moment, spotting the fish, enjoying all this quality time you've got you with a partner oh. or whatever you know and then point number three is um get a fast time um, but it always has to be in that order for me because if you, you've got to complete it to get a fast time mm. what's the sense in doing it if you're not enjoying it and i think through enjoying it and living in that moment actually you probably will get a faster time and yeah i guess that's a lot of what you're speaking to there as well especially the the, the delicate nature and how precarious your situation could be um being focused on well let's just get this let's complete this and that that in itself is like i say it could be a gold goal for most people yeah yeah definitely um i mean i, I certainly <clears throat> under no illusion that i enjoyed every second of it um, well, and well, perhaps, uh, it, perhaps it, with 15 years hindsight perhaps <laughs> it's more enjoyable now when you look back but yeah yeah definitely um but it's funny you know it, it ebbed and flowed and um and i think actually the most difficult times were when we just spoke to, to family back at home on the phone and that's when um you know we were out there over christmas day and talking to them on christmas day i mean that's when all the, the sort of emotions and the yeah. um uh, everything's i think is put, in, put into perspective um you know and so i'd be in floods of tears talking to my poor mum and then hang up the phone and five minutes later we'll be laughing because there's a dolphin or there's you know there's something really exciting going on and so i think I, the impression i left with my 
my parents was that I was having a miserable time and I didn't want to be there, which wasn't true at all. It, it was a, a snapshot, and unfortunately, a snapshot they they got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, um, I mean, we talk about your parents, but as a parent yourself, how much of these experiences um, inform your approach to parenting and, and and wanting your children to to become the adults that you'd you mm. know they to be? I mean, how does that sort of translate to a lot of us listening here? Our parents ourselves. Mm. translate for that I think the the message I always try and give to them um I mean I I was sporty-ish at school but I was certainly never anything special um and the message I I try and give is that school isn't the end it's not um you know what you do at school doesn't tick all the boxes for the rest of your life it's a starting point and it's a it's something for you to build on and obviously it's important but um I see a lot of people um, at, at their school, at, you know, at schools in general, who are hugely high achieving academically or, or sporting. And actually, very often, those are the ones who don't then go on to achieve particularly in, in later life. And I think mm. it's the ones that maybe struggle a bit more at school um, who have that sort of, they want to push themselves a bit more because they didn't feel maybe that they, you know, they... they um, did enough at school or, um, or, or actually that, you know, they, if you struggle at school, you realize that actually you're going to have to struggle and, and push and, and keep moving as, as life goes on. Whereas I think, you know, a lot of people come out of school and, and rest on their laurels. So the message to, to my kids is that it, it doesn't matter if you're not excelling, you know, you're not top of the class. It, it doesn't matter. It's about keeping moving forward. And, um, somebody said something when we, finished the Atlantic Row, um, a great quote that, that I heard from somebody was, um, "Don't uh, you can't dine out on one thing for the rest of your life. Um, wow. And I think that's, that's really important. I think so many people, you know, it, something like that is a big challenge. And I think so many people get to the end of it and go, brilliant, well, that set me up for the rest of my life. That's all I need to do. And it's just not true. You have to keep moving forward and you have to keep finding the next thing. As you talk about with Iron Man, you know, you, mm. you can't just sit back and say, brilliant, done that. I'm no. set for life. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's, that's interesting. And I think what you're speaking to there in sort of academic circles is the work of Professor Carol Dweck and this idea of growth and fixed mindset. And so okay. you know, the, the growth mindset is, you know, seeing, honoring the process, pushing yourself and, and the application of effort and learning through that effort rather than the fixed mindset, which is, well, I either can or I can't, and fate has dealt me a hand, and yeah. you know, I, I'm either clever or, or I'm not. And yeah. you know, that, the, the, the academic world is, has kind of referenced and labeled exactly what you've just described there, this idea of just putting yourself out there, learn it, and iterate. And also that whole, I love that quote, you can't, obviously you can't dine out on a single uh, you can't, Yeah, you can't dine out on one thing for the rest oh, of yeah, your life. Yeah, and, and so many <laughs> people do perhaps. And and, and I think that's, um, yeah, it, and that's why I, I keep kind of, even though I have fallen in and out of love with Iron Man mm. and you've fallen in and out of love of endurance things, we always keep coming back to it because it's back to that point of it's part of that process. But I think so much of it, our identities are wrapped up in this. It's it's how we perhaps express ourselves the best. I mean, I come absolutely alive when I'm talking about it, but equally, yeah. I feel most alive when I'm in it. Yes. And, and you know, I had that period where uh, from my sort of heart operation through the next sort of four years, I, I kind of lost my mojo with this yeah. stuff. And um, But then it was rekindled when we qualified for GB. And it was like, actually, do you know what? This is a, this is a drug, a healthy drug, which I... I like, yeah. but it, but it's because it's 
my, part of my identity and my my wanting to push myself or just to learn and see where the boundaries are I think it, it, that's great so if we can impart some of that with our kids it'd be mm. great he says with his kids still in bed because they're teenagers <laughs> but yeah. and if I two are on their iPads yeah <laughs> so um we, we're kind of I mean this is fascinating we, we could talk all day about this um Let's let's kind of really drill it down into some of that. You talked about reframing. You've talked about mm-hmm. you know how you kind of reset your goals and everything else like this. But how do, how does Liz give herself the chat in some of those sort of crucible <laughs> moments, or even some of the everyday moments where you just don't feel yeah. like it? I think I mean to well anecdotally um, to talk about the rowing. Uh, there was there was one moment when when we rowed, um, which I think brings again sort of brought everything together. I think there were probably a lot of chat moments, um, but this one is certainly one I still remember. Fifteen years later, was uh, after our third roll. Um, we had uh, that's right. We'd rolled uh, second roll would be in the middle of the night. Third roll, we were trying to mend the rudder, which had broken. That's a whole other story. Um, and I had Richard had been uh, thrown off the boat as we rolled, and I uh-huh. was sitting in in the rowing seat. My feet were so it's a bit like cycling. Your feet are kind of clipped into the to the rowing position. They're sort of t- tied in. Um, so as I went out the side of the boat, I hit my, my calf muscle on, on the side, on, on the gunnel, on, on the side of the boat as I went yeah. out. Um, possibly ruptured the calf muscle, I don't know. Uh, and as I kind of clambered back on, managed to recover Richard, um, and I uh, realised that my calf was sort of cramping, it was really painful. Um, and I knew I was injured, um, and I knew that that was my potential... I'm a celebrity, get me out of here moment. Um, and I, we actually phoned up the support boat. There were two support boats, um, which we saw one right at the beginning of the race and one right at the end. Uh, and we didn't see them at all in, in between. Um, and we phoned up them. We said, look, please, can you just come and see us? Um, we need you to be here right now. And uh, they took 18 hours, I think it was, to get to, to our position. Yeah. And during that time, that night, I mean, my calf was really painful, but um, I had a dream that night that I imagined myself being winched off the boat by a helicopter, how a helicopter was going to get to us mid-ocean, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I imagined, and I, and I sort of had this dream, and I just saw this little boat that had been our friend and our home and our life for what was a month and a half by then, um, kind of floating off by itself with nobody on it. Mm. And it, I think that was the real moment that I went, no, no, I'm not getting off this boat. You know, it, whatever's going on with my calf, whatever, you know, the rudder's broken, we're lying sideways onto the waves. It's all going a bit wrong, but I'm not getting off this boat because I'll regress it. And I'll, you know, I was, I tell you, in my dream, I felt so deeply upset at this idea of leaving, of abandoning this boat that had been, you know, that had saved us so many times um, that I just thought, no, no, that's it. Not and I think it, that was sort of my, you know, the, the, the internal chat moment that I gave myself then. But I mean, translating that to, to everyday situations, I think it's, you know, without realizing it, I think we all do it mm. um, all the time. And I think it comes back to um, doing things that, um, doing things early because um, leaving them until later actually makes it a lot harder. I'm a real, I'm a real planner. So um, I like to, you know, I mean, silly things, when I'm getting up to do an early training session, I have to have all my kit ready, all my drinks ready. Everything has to be all ready the night before because actually doing it the next morning is a real pain and real fat, leaving it, it? Till, yeah. Real, yeah, leaving it till, till later. So it's, 
it's annoying having to get it all ready the night before, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it makes things easier later on down the line. Well, it's that idea of, um, you know, what's hard now becomes easy later on, or yeah. it's the manifestation of delayed gratification. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. We don't have to be in a boat mid-Atlantic having rolled for the nth time um, with possibly, you know, a limiting injury to realize actually those moments come every day. It's that moment where the alarm goes off and you've made every best intention to get up and get on with the day. And you think, no, I'm just going to hit snooze. Yeah. It's that because it feels easy then, but then it's harder later because you start your day on the back foot or yeah. you, you haven't done that or you live with that regret. I mean, that's a really strong one for me is I often reframe things. So, I mean, again, it's slightly cliched, but pain is temporary pride is forever. It's like, if you can connect to the pride that you'll feel having gone to the gym instead mm. of the pain that you're going to feel mm. with, oh, I let myself down again. It's as simple and fundamental as that. And I think those moments come every single day and particularly in the morning <laughs> when you <laughs> pay that kind of commitment. Yeah, but, um, yeah it's, uh, it, it really is. How do, you, how do you really sort of focus on how good things will be or how you'll feel getting back in that boat and carrying on? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, this would be a wholly different podcast episode had you got in that helicopter yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i dare well, say knowing you was. though liz you would have gone back the next year and kind of finished the job <laughs> off, you know it's... i don't know i'm not regularly re- revisiting things <clears throat> no, um yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating it's fascinating and um i mean i've got another question for you and you know just tell me to butt out if this is too personal but what did it do for your your relationship um once you got out of that boat and like I say you were teammates and then you had to sort of reconnect to being as a couple but how has that helped you in your in your partnership with Richard um I think I mean yeah as you say I think when, when we got out of the boat the other end we definitely needed to um we you know we were very good at kind of being together um on you know as a team on on board um and we yeah we just had to sort of uh, find ourselves again <laughs> romantically without going into any detail. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, for for a long time, and I think this has probably worn off a little bit now, but I think for a long time um, it stayed with both of us. You know, well, if we can, if we can get through that, we can get through anything. Um, I think it's, it's a funny thing in a way um, that we, because the weather was so bad when we were out there, um, it almost it made us stronger than it would have been if actually it had been a lot easier um if the weather had been you know quite benign and we'd just rode and i i think it probably would have been harder for for both of us as a couple but because we uh, we were kind of brought together i suppose a bit like surviving a trauma it yeah. sounds a bit dramatic but it was you know because in part it you know it was you know really nasty out there um i think that probably um made us stronger and gave us a lot more to build on later so I mean I think probably the next uh very difficult time in in our relationship was you know having children and um the huge uh change that that brought um and being able to actually go back and go okay well we've been through an awful lot worse than this um you know we're not 600 miles from land with no rudder and you know and potential injury we're actually we're okay yeah um so yeah, I mean it does. It you know, it's difficult, and it, it certainly brings a different dynamic to um, other teams and other other people that have you know done um, anything sporting together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it, it helps. 
I mean, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a huge challenge. But, but I think, you know, so to bring it back to so every day, it, it's that you know they often say that you know to, to build confidence, go do things that take confidence. I.e., so you know, if you want to be a confident public speaker, go go and give a presentation, and despite yeah. the fact that actually you don't feel confident, the experience actually builds resilience to your yes. point is that well we've handled far tougher than this or you know back to the public speaking well I handled it when the projector broke so really there's nothing that should phase me and I think it's those experiences and it's back to you talking about your kids you know go and have a go because by doing so it doesn't matter I mean there's a great line that I've been reflecting on recently it's um you know you don't have to be um great to start but you do have yes. to start to be great Yes. And, yeah. and I think the more starts you have yeah. and, and experiences, the more resilient you become, whether that, yeah. that's rowing the Atlantic or or your next corporate presentation to the board yeah. kind of thing. No, absolutely. And I think, I mean, something I, I certainly tell, you know, my children and, and their friends when I get the opportunity is um, seize every opportunity that comes along. You know, it, it may not look like an opportunity. It may not but like anything, but if you're, if somebody comes up to you in the school corridor and says, do you want to have a go at this? Or, you know, do you want to join the dance club or you have, you know, enter an art competition or something, take yes. it. Absolutely take yeah. it. You know, it may lead nowhere. It may come to nothing, but it may come to something amazing. And I think, you know, had I not said to that finance director, gosh, 18 years ago, um, you know, we quite like to enter that race. We probably actually wouldn't have done because it probably would have just, passed us by and um, maybe would have done it at some point but um you know it was it's those those little sort of nuggets and those little opportunities grasping them and going yeah actually doesn't mean you have to change your life um but just doing those little things that then lead to bigger things um is is quite important Liz, I, I think that's a great point to jump off. Um, what a great way to finish the episode. I know this has been your your first podcast experience. Yes. In fact, I, I think you listened to your first podcast only last week or so. Yep. So <laughs> it, it's a week of first podcast-wise. Uh, uh, but I've got to say, it's been it's always a pleasure talking with you. Um, and, and thank you very much for, for bringing that story alive and, and helping us all. And, and perhaps a few episodes down the road, we'll, we'll get you back on and we'll talk about how that, that second Iron Man you've entered with me. <laughs> <laughs> how about that? We'll see. Uh, thanks very much, Liz. Take care of yourself. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. What an amazing woman Liz Merrin White is. Uh, absolute inspiration and so glad that she agreed to be a, a guest on the Give Yourself the Chat podcast. Uh, and considering she'd only listened to a podcast a week before this recording, uh, again, is, is a great honour. Um, so if you enjoyed that one, if you enjoyed the exploits and uh, lessons you can learn from not only rowing the Atlantic but bringing into your life, then feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where the uh, conversation is going on. Um, suggest which guests or topics you'd like me to cover into the future and I'll see what I can do for you. But in the meantime, keep yourself fit and healthy and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.